I'm at a loss for words tonight for episode 216 of Patrick and I. If we were recording this episode yesterday, I would really have nothing to say. But I have had some time to process the last 48 hours of being both a Preds fan and a Titans fan. So we're here for you. We're going to get some stuff off our chest. This is Chad Mitten, your host with co-host Max Greenberg. Max, how are you doing tonight, my brother? Well, I'll tell you, I would have a, I would have a lot to say if we were recording yesterday, but it would all be very rant-based, and I might be kicked off the show permanently, but I would have had a lot uh, to say yesterday for sure. I would never do that. You know what? We rant. That's what this podcast is. We rant. Yeah. If, if anyone's listened to the first 200-plus episodes, we go on rants. We go on tangents. But tonight... And of course, the Predators could have rescued all of us last night from all the Titans news and got out and beaten a team that's one of the worst teams in the league, at least in the standings they are. But no, they went followed suit and just rubbed salt into the wound for all of us and laid out a maybe one of their worst games of the year. I yeah. mean, in my opinion, it's one of their worst games. It's close. Yeah, There's a, a lot of you. There's a few that we could argue against that, but it's definitely in the top three. Yes. Horrible timing, but the Predators lose badly. The, the 5-3 final score doesn't even do it justice. They got they, – they didn't show up. They oh, it was, it was not close. That score is misleading. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, if, if that's the way I showed up to work, my boss would tell me to go home. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just no. telling you straight up. No, if I showed up that way to my work, I'd be like – yeah, I, I couldn't live with it. It was, it was bad. And us Tennessee sports, Nashville sports fans got abused yesterday. And we're not a basketball podcast, but really Tennessee sports fans have gotten abused because the other day, John Morant, his shoulder, he had season-ending shoulder surgery. Oh, well, yeah, I didn't even think about the whole broad scope of Memphis. And then I guess the balls um, lost in basketball tonight, too. Yeah. So it's just coming from all different angles for a lot of fans who are the fans of the same teams. Um, I mean, we won't even go into Vanderbilt. I mean, that's a perpetual nightmare. But it, it's rough times in these uh, Tennessee sports landscapes right now. But we're here sports, for you. Sports gods showing no mercy on us, as they typically no do. Mercy. <laughs> no mercy whatsoever. But here's what we got for you. It's episode 216 of Catfish on Ice. We're, we're going to get into all of this. Of course, we are a Predators podcast, so we're going to get into all the things here. The Nashville Predators are officially at the midway point of their season. They've played game 41, which was maybe one of their worst games so far this year. But we are going to dish out some midseason grades, some midseason awards, team MVP, best defender, biggest surprise. Also going to look at some NHL award leaders, um, not too many surprises, but our early league MVP, Vesna, Norris, all that good stuff. Also going to really dissect what happened against the Ducks, what went wrong. Where is our level of concern? One to ten, ten being we're freaking out. One being we're chilling. It's not a big deal. We're going to answer that in the opening faceoff. Also going to talk about I, – I drew this comparison. I do it all the time. And we kind of already established this theme tonight because we are all fans of multiple teams locally. We're not all Titans Preds fans, but there are a lot of crossover here. Yep. If you grew up in Nashville like myself, 
You're a Titans fan. You're a Preds fan. Both teams came into our lives around the same time. Yep. So, wow. So I cannot help but draw the comparison of when we thought Philip Forsberg was leaving and he did his very um, well-noted farewell. He didn't know at the time if he was leaving. And now I know it's it's a lot different and it's, yep. the stakes are even higher. For Derrick Henry, and it's yeah. more likely that he's going to leave than what Philip Forsberg went through. But still, it's still a very good comparison. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that later in this episode uh, because Derrick Henry is one of my favorite players to ever wear a oh, Titans he's uniform. Awesome. He's the best. And, and Philip Forsberg's up there as well in a Preds uniform. So obviously Philip Forsberg stayed, and Derrick Henry is very likely not going to stay. But we will cross that bridge. We're going to talk about that later in this episode as well got some other stuff to get into as well we're going to do the central division rundown we haven't done that in a few weeks uh some things going on in the central division of course that top three is very jumbled up you've got a three-headed monster between winnipeg dallas and colorado and fun fact the preds have beaten all three of those teams this year so (laughs) that's something to take with you you know for all this freaking out we're doing right now the preds have actually beaten all three of the top teams in this division. Yeah. Not like they can't go out and beat those good teams. So let's keep everything in perspective. But we're going to talk about out of those three, they're leading the division. Who's our front runner? It's very hard to pick out of those three. We're going to do that. Also, some Connor Bedard news. Yeah. Very unfortunate for the NHL. You know the NHL doesn't like this. Oh, no they're, they're devastated. They're devastated. I mean, I mean, no one likes to see anybody get right, injured. Right, right. The NHL really doesn't like the fact that Connor Bedard is going to be on the shelf mm-hmm. for reportedly six to eight weeks. Jaw surgery, broken jaw. First of all, that hit Ooh. he took was a very clean hit. Yeah. He, oh, had, yeah. he, had, he had his head down. He did. You can't skate into the zone with your head no. down. It was a very clean hit. Not do that. But uh, he's going to be on the shelf for a little bit. Six to eight weeks is the report. We're going to break that down. What does that mean for the Calder Trophy race? And then we're going to get into our Titans time segment. Mike Vrabel is fired, dude. I Can you mean, believe that? Hey, let's give us a little appetizer, Max, but don't save a little bit for later. But right. we are doing Titans time from now on on this show. Yep. We want to cross over into the Titans realm a little bit, and we cannot gloss over what has happened. Um well, with this uh, insane firing yeah. of Mike you know, Vrabel. You know, to me personally, I, I understand why the Titans did it. You know, we, we as fans, without saying too much, we've known Vrabel's tendencies, you know, as not necessarily being in line with the modern NFL. You know, we've known the kind of guy he is, he's a bit stubborn. We know he doesn't, you know, it's kind of a my way or the highway kind of guy. I understand why the Titans did it. And, you know, there are a lot of issues on the field, but, Man, just the way it all went down and everything, just a lot of risk. And it, and even just you know yesterday, with how it was handled by both Amy Adams Shrunk and Rand Carthen, it's just yeah, it's just a lot of doubt about you know where this franchise is at right now. And yeah, it's it all all to say. I mean, if the Titans go and they absolutely hit this next head coach high out of the park. I mean, that's what's going to matter, and that's everything, and no one will care. But if it's not a home run hire, whoo, man. 
I don't know what to say. I mean, so yeah. there's we're gonna get into it later. There's your episode two sixteen to do list. That's what we're calling it here. We're gonna about to get into it now with the opening face off Preds with a massive, huge letdown versus the Ducks. Reason for concern? What happened there? Is it should we be really freaking out or is it nothing? Midseason grades and awards. Philip Forsberg's legacy for Nashville sports as he continues to build it. He's got plenty of time to build on that. Central Division rundown. And then, of course, we're going to touch on the Mike Vrabel firing. And then also, close it out, new segment. We just debuted it last week. We'll do it again this week. The Smashville Pulse. I'm going to look at one of the biggest things that Preds fans in social media are talking about. I've got a, uh, a doozy. A doozy for you. A lot of misspelling of names, but it's okay. We're still going to address the Yeah, topic. I notice. <laughs> I mean, I think they spelled two of eight players' last names right, but it's okay. Yeah. We've all misspelled names right. in the past. So no harm, no foul, but that, that will close out the episode. Yeah. So with that said, there's your to-do list. Let's get into it with the opening face-off, and that is the Preds really just – and I, I – touched on this going into the game. I didn't think it was going to be this bad, Max, but I touched on it going into the game. I said that I was really worried about the Preds laying an egg in this game because they tend to do this. They do. And they just played their best game of the year against Dallas. I mean, they, that they went toe to toe with Dallas stars. My personal Stanley cup pick. They rectified the mess and the meltdown they did before Christmas, and it looked like a playoff atmosphere. It felt like they were in a seven-game playoff series against Dallas as the underdog on the road. Dallas comes back. They tied it to you're going into third period. You're waiting for the Preds to fall apart and lose that game, and, and Philip Forsberg takes over, and the Preds win. Yep. So then you, you figure, okay, a good team, a great team, is going to carry that momentum into a very – much easier matchup you would think on paper against Anaheim and take care of business. And they didn't do that. Not only did they not do that, they didn't even show up. No, it was, it was ugly. I mean, it's when you ask the question of, you know, what went wrong? I mean, there's what went right, honestly. I mean, besides the last 10 minutes of the third period, like congrats, you showed up, you you didn't play for the first 50, you showed up for the last 10. It's like, yeah, Pat on the back. I mean, it's maybe garbage it was a time. little better so you don't lose eight nothing, but like garbage man, time. That's where they showed up was yeah. garbage time. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it, it was just there was nothing good. It, it was bad. It was bad all night. Uh Nikki, who's a Dallas Stars fan as well, but she cheers for the Predators. She's a she's a dual dual team fan here, but her main team is the stars. She's made that very clear. Hey, Nikki, how you doing? She says, was a heck of a game, but those ones are way too stressful for me. Uh, laugh out loud. Yeah, very true. I understand that. But her top team is the Stars, but we respect her and we love her and we love her right. also being here for the Preds. All right, let me get into some of these numbers for the Preds here against the Ducks. And it here here's where, hey, you know what, Max? And I have been a defender of Soros lately. I really have. But this game right here is probably his worst start of the year. I mean, all you got to do is look at the um, at the expected goals, and the Ducks end up scoring five goals, and their expected goals were two point six nine. 
I mean, I don't know yeah. if I've ever seen a single game from Soros that that's that bad in in that category. I mean, he literally gave up over two extra goals that he should not have given up. Now, does some of that number account for the fact that three of the goals were straight deflections off predator sticks? Like three out of the five goals for the Ducks were deflected in off our own guy. Well, again, it's it's about as a goaltender, you have to be covering for all of that. Right. I mean, these are soft pucks getting past Soros here, and I get right. deflections happen, but that's still a goaltender's job, and that's going to happen. That stuff's going to happen. Yeah, I thought the only one that was really bad that he gave up was the um, third goal in the power play, and yeah, they picked the corner pretty well, but like you can't leave it like that. You, you that little room, you have to cover the whole net, and it was from a bad angle. That was the only one I thought I looked that was like bad, but like. Yeah, that, that stat's pretty hard to defend no matter how you slice it. And when you look when you look at the game trends of this game, yes, the Predators end up finishing ahead of the Ducks in expected goals, but it's all in garbage time. They actually yeah. take the lead late in the third period in terms of creating offense, and that's just too little too late. Yeah. And Andrew Burnett really hit this point home. It's I mean, I'm going to use Robbie Stanley's quote because he always gets some of the best quotes. And uh, let me get that pulled up real quick. But from 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 Andrew Burnett when it comes to how this team is starting first periods, and it's a very alarming and it's very troubling. And first of all, I love how honest Andrew Burnett is. Yeah. He, he's coaching a team that's still in the top wildcard spot, which, I mean, is still pretty good for what this team's expectations are. Right. But he he looks like a coach that's very, very upset right now. And he's yeah. not happy with the way his team is responding. And so I appreciate appreciate that. This is from Robbie Stanley of 102.5 The Game, also NHL.com contributor. He's been on the podcast in the past. This is what Andrew Burnett had to say about bad starts at home and how they continue to be an issue. Quote, I wish I had an explanation. We're well aware of it. We talk about it every day. The message is isn't being heard now that's a problem that's i read that sentence right there the message isn't being heard we didn't start on time again this is arguably probably the worst we've started by far the worst period of the year that's from robbie stanley of 102.5 the game all right um that's the coach is calling his team out right now yeah yeah and you know and, you know, some of this is to be expected a little bit. You know, you're going to go through some of those pains with a with a young roster like the Preds have. You know, there's still some maturity issues to be, you know, figured out. But, you know, it's just – but, you know, it's no excuse. You can't go into these games, you know, flat and like that. You know, that – and what Brunette said is very it's, – it's alarming. And, you know, obviously no one's really going to care about how you do – are you doing practice or anything. You know, the it all matters on the ice. But, you know, I saw – Something today at practice basically said there was no smiling whatsoever. Like they were just like they they were pissed. And, and of course, you, and you of hope course that they, translate. You better translate. To, you better translate to the ice. It better. But and, and of course, they run into another goalie who plays a great game. Do, Dostal plays a great game. Yeah. And he's a young up and coming goalie. I think he's in his third NHL season. I could be off by a season, but he's definitely a young up and coming goalie. He's been starting to get more starts away from John Gibson, the, the veteran. Um, 
he faces 42 shots in this game. So like it. it's very it's very misleading because the Preds really kicked it up another gear when it was way too late and they were down five nothing. So you can't really get too locked into that. But there were definitely moments when it wasn't already five nothing where the Predators were trying to cut into that deficit a little bit and make things a little interesting. And Dostol was there. I mean, he he was, and Soros wasn't. I mean, that's just the way right. it is. I know there were deflections, but as a goaltender, right. you've got to cover all your bases. You got to be yeah. ready for some of that stuff. I mean, that stuff's going to happen. I, you know, the big one that sticks out to me is the one that deflected off uh, Dante Fabro. Yeah, that was rough. And and you saw him go back to the bench, and he was irate. I don't know if it was at himself. It's hard to say, but. You know, and fluky goals happen as well in hockey. And I, I can say that some of that was, was a contributing factor as well. But he was visibly frustrated. Fabro was going back to the bench um, after that goal. And this game just got away from him. I mean, they had no response. They couldn't get any offense going. Forsberg was held off the score sheet, which doesn't happen very often anymore. Um, so he was a non-factor. He did get five shots on goal, but for the most part, Forsberg was a complete non-factor in this game offensively like he likes to be. So, yeah, I mean, it's another one of those situations where this game is hard to predict. You see great teams lose to bad teams all the time in this league, and this is one of those games where you really wish you had it back because the Predator is about to go into a really, really difficult stretch here. they got to play Dallas again. Coming up, you know, Dallas has got that game circled. Mm-hmm. You got L.A. coming up. You got Vegas coming up. You got the Islanders coming up. This is a really difficult stretch here that could really put the Predators on one path or another because now we're going into the second half of the season. This is where teams really start setting themselves apart. This is where the frauds get exposed. This is where certain teams prove that they're here to stay. You know, you've got some teams in the West that are starting to make a move. Seattle's starting to make their move back. Edmonton is on a heater right now. Yeah, Edmonton's the second wild card team right behind the Preds right now. So a lot is still has to be figured out. We always know this. The standings are always going to be jumbled up with a bunch of teams and a couple bad losses is all it takes to completely wreck your season, even in an 82-game season. Yeah, you know, it's certainly with those teams coming up, it's certainly gonna certainly gonna impact, you know, how like you say, how the Preds want to approach the rest of the season in terms of thinking, are they serious about trying to compete or are they just gonna say, you know what, we can't we're not gonna try and win anything with this roster. They're clearly not good enough and try and sell again at the deadline. I think that's what they should do. Oh my gosh. That deadline is going to be crazy, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. who knows what they're going to do? We don't know. It's Barry Trotz's first trade deadline. He's got a lot of assets to offer, a lot of assets. He has a ton, a lot, yes. If he and, wants to sell, he can sell. And I think, and I don't see it with this team is how inconsistent they've been and stuff. I don't see how you don't take advantage of that. And maybe you, you really, a little bit but do you really here, think but like, you really think Trotz is going going to aggressively sell if this team's in a wild card spot? <laughs> I probably think. not he might sell know. a little bit he might dabble but i don't think he's going to do anything crazy of course we're two months away from the trade deadline a little under two months now so a lot can happen in the standings if they if the predators completely fall out of the playoff race then 
Absolutely, you sell. You don't even think twice about it. But I'm telling you, I don't see Trotz doing that. I don't see him selling a Gus Nyquist or any of those. I'm not talking about maybe not Gus Nyquist, but I'm maybe maybe some other players like Yakov Trent, maybe Kiefer Sherwood. This might oh, be yeah. a hot take, but even Alexander Carrier, because you got to do something about the deep the defense being so log jammed. Well, you well that, and you've also got to look at the fact that you're not going to be able to re- re-sign all of these free agents anyway right. in the yeah. offseason. So, and, sorry, yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. And you know, one of these, and one thing, you know, I'm not gonna, about this player in particular. I'm not going to say that I'm not going to say anything definite about this player because I know you know trading him would be not popular and could be a bit detrimental to the future of this team. But by the deadline, you need to, you either need to have signed or traded Tommy Novak. Well, definitely don't trade him. I will be very, very upset if they trade Tommy Novak. That would be completely giving up on an asset that's critical to your future. You know, I'm all for getting something in return for assets you need. Tommy Novak needs to be top priority to be re-signed in the offseason. But you can't lose him for nothing either. If you don't think you can, then... Mm, I think they can get him done. I think they can get him re-signed. Probably, and since his injury, he hasn't really done a ton, so he's probably not going to be that expensive anyway. But that would suck to lose him for nothing. It would suck. Regardless of what happens, I think Yakov Trinan needs to be traded. I don't yes. even care. Even if the yes. Predators are in the top three of the, of the division, I don't even care if they surge and they're, they're competing. Yakov Trinan, as much as I love him, he's got some value right now to some teams who need depth help. That's his ceiling. And that's okay. Yeah. That's fine. It, it doesn't make him a bad player. But Yakov Trenin, his ceiling is very set for the most part. There might be teams out here who think that he could still kick it up a notch. But for the most, there's a lot of teams out there, playoff teams, who would love to have Yakov Trenin on their playoff roster on their fourth or third line. So and there's others, maybe the Kiefer Sherwood, maybe Cole Smith, Michael McCarron, maybe. You got other guys who, besides Trenin, who are these kind of bottom six grinders who could be who could be trade bait. Yeah. Um, looking more at the numbers here from this Ducks game that was just a really big disappointment. Um, Roman Yossi put six shots on goal, but he does get an assist. But again, these are all garbage time numbers, a lot of this stuff here. Um, let's talk about Cody Glass. He gets back in the lineup. And another really, really hard game, difficult game. Mm-hmm. For Cody Glass, he just cannot break out of the mud right now. He is just stuck right now. He takes four penalty minutes, uh, only gets under 12 minutes of ice time, uh, loses a bunch of face-offs. Just the guy cannot catch a break right now. And I don't know how much longer the Predators keep forcing him into the starting lineup if he's not producing. I don't know. I saw him get involved a little yesterday. He had a Nice defensive play, and he also had a shot. He had he had a goal he could have scored, and he couldn't get it. But you know, I just you got at some point you got to make a decision with him. You can't you either got to play him full fully, or you know just pull him. You can't be you can't just be in that limbo where you're playing him one night, then pulling him, then getting that cycle. You got to you just got to make a decision with him at some point, and and just I mean and say and if you play him and for a while and he still doesn't do well, then okay, maybe start sitting him again. I don't know. But like, as some, like at, at this very moment, you got to make a decision with him one way or the other and just live with it. 
I mean, the biggest concerning issue, and this is actually a team issue right now. This is a bad trend for the entire team. They're they're struggling in the faceoff circle. They're losing critical faceoffs in big time situations where they can try to get a goal or whatever. Cody Glass loses eight of the nine faceoffs that he takes in this game, and he's supposed to be a fa- – I mean, as a prototypical yeah. center, that's bad. That's really that's, bad. That's not good. And I'm not trying to pile on Cody Glass right now. I'm cheering for the guy. I, I want him to work out, but he is on the struggle bus right now. It's just the way yeah. it goes. Uh, so that's a concerning factor. People are still are all on the train to get Luke Shin the hell out off of this lineup. Another really bad game for Luke Shen, and everyone wants to see Spencer Statsby in there over Luke Shen. Give us some speed. Give us some offense. Because all Luke Shen does is provide a big uh, – our old co-host, uh, Rich Howe, used to always say it beautifully. Luke Shen is the equivalent of a traffic cone. Yeah. he's a tra- he, he blocks some traffic. He's out there to – you know, he's a big body, you know. Like, but every time that guy has got the puck and he's trying to get the puck out of the zone, I hold my breath. I hold my breath. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, doesn't, he's slow. He can't, he can't keep up guys in transition. And he just, yeah, he literally is there. He's just a body, basically. He doesn't, he, he doesn't really do ton out there. And he's just stealing, he's stealing money from the team. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Spencer Statsney, Made the AHL All-Star team for the Western Conference along with Iris Lavaskarov. There you go. So how much longer does the Predators just hold to their guns and say, you know what, we're going to keep throwing Luke Shen out there because we're paying in this money and we have no other choice. How much longer until they finally swallow their pride and, th- and say, you know what, we-, we screwed up this one. We should have never gotten Luke Shen to begin with. But guess what? Our season's on the line right now, and Luke Shen is a big issue of costing us games right now. And we've got to get Spencer Statsney up here. And I, I'm much more okay with Spencer Statsney making mistakes in the lineup than I am Luke Shen, because at least Spencer Statsney is a young player who's developing and has a future with this organization. And you can work with that, and you can – Luke Shen has no future with this franchise. So you're putting him out there for nothing. You're letting him screw up for nothing. Because he's a veteran, that's all you're doing it for. He's a veteran. He's got Stanley Cup caliber. He leads the locker room. You know who leads the locker room and actually owns up to it and walks the walk? Ryan O'Reilly. Gus Nyquist. Luke Shen's not doing that. I know he plays a different role, but I'm just saying, like, it's – Get Spencer Stastny up here. It yeah, you can't just you can't just let this Stanley Cup pedigree, or whatever, be the end all be all. You gotta you you gotta have good play on the ice, and especially with the trade deadline looming, you gotta see what you have and if see if, if this roster is really gonna be serious about trying to compete. You gotta get provide a spark. So Shasku Tiger jumps in here with a really good comment on YouTube. Says the game with the Ducks? Question mark. Well, obviously, this is what just what we are without Trennan. That's a good point. I mean, Trennan plays a two-way game. He plays a defensive game. He hits hard. He forechecks hard. He causes turnovers. He creates things, but he's not providing the offense you want to see right now. Um, I 
look, I'm very consistent here. I have trend on the trade block, not because he's a bad player, but because I don't think the Predators are going to be able to re-sign him in the offseason. It has nothing to do with I think he's a bad player. I don't see the Predators being able to afford him and afford everybody else that they need to keep in this upcoming offseason. So he is one of your most valuable trade pieces right now. Yeah. But I agree with you that when Trennan's not in the lineup, you're definitely taking a hit. You're missing some things defensively for sure. On the penalty kill for sure. Uh, Trennan, when you don't have Trennan in the lineup, it does hurt. I'm not disputing that at all. Uh, Thank you for the comment, uh, Shaskatoo Tiger. I always have trouble saying that. Uh, Buster Bennett is in here on YouTube as well. Things are always a little... (laughs) Fogu. I'm, saying, I'm being I'm being he meant to say foggy. Foggy. Fogu. I'm gonna <laughs> stick with that. Things are always a little fogu on Grateful Dead Night. He did say yeah. foggy. Yep, I, I I I knew what he meant. I'm gonna stick with fogu. Uh I, I'm so out of it on the terminology these days that it wouldn't surprise me if that's a new thing people are saying. So um goal scores in garbage time for the predators. Alexander Carrier gets a shorthanded goal. Phil Tomasino gets a goal, um, well-deserved. And then Dennis Garyanov gets on the board very late in this game. Um, let's talk about that a little bit before we move on here in episode 216 of Catfish on Ice because we haven't done an episode since Dennis Garyanov was p- called up. What are your yeah. thoughts on Garyanov? He's basically the second forward that I can think of to be called up for Milwaukee this year. The only one I, other one I can think of is Mark Jankowski yeah. to actually get a start. The other two players were waiver pickups, Figimo and Foodie. I really, I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't think of another Ford that the Predators have called up for Milwaukee that's actually played a game yeah. for the Predators. Yeah, I mean, from Gurionov, I mean, he wasn't terrible, but he didn't really give me a reason to necessarily want to keep him every night. I mean, it's about what you expected. He's just a depth guy at this point. And, you know, he got a goal last night, but I mean, again, garbage time. And again, it's about, it's about what you expect. I didn't really, I didn't really see pretty much. It was one of those things. They have nothing to see here that you didn't expect already kind of thing. Yeah. Two shots so. on goal for Gary Onov. I think he had two shots on goal in his uh, debut for the season as well. So he's got a couple games under his belt. Um, he can play up to, as long as he plays under 10 games, then he is not waivers eligible. So it kind of feels like Garyanov is on a little mini tryout for the Predators right now to kind of rectify his NHL career because he has earned it in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, he's led that team in points. He is really taken off down there. He has been one of their best players, obviously. So I think the Preds coaching staff and the front office thought, you know what, he's earned it. Let's get him up here. Um, we've got some games where he can kind of try out an audition to see if he can make a noticeable impact. And then before that maximum game uh, stint runs out, we can send him back down to Milwaukee if we think that he is um, not doing what we need to do. So that seems to be what Garyanov is going through right now. The process yeah. is he's he's basically playing for his NHL career right now. Because he yeah, is also going, he's also going to be a free agent this offseason. And if he doesn't make a noticeable impact for the Predators, I cannot see him staying with his organization past yeah. this season. Yeah. I mean, Even though he I mean, is, I, 
even though he is doing so well with Milwaukee, uh, Gary Onov is far enough into his NHL career and his hockey career that he's kind of running out of time, unfortunately, to he, he's going to continue to be a journeyman player. Maybe he'll get some tryouts and training camp here and there. But he's he's really playing for a new contract from the Predators this offseason, and he's got a very, very short amount of time to do it. So it's a very tough situation for a player like Gary Onov to make an impact. Yeah, and he's – we know he's skilled, but he hasn't really refined it. And he, yeah, I mean, he's got a, he, and that's a guy, quite honestly, probably who won't get a ton of chances, but the ones that he gets, he's got to make the most of them. So, yeah. I mean, he's not going to be a savior for this team. I mean, no. we know that. Um, you're shuffling the deck right now with your forwards, these depth forwards. Keeper Sherwood has missed some games recently now, and you're trying to find something that works. And, that's a hard thing to do. I mean, it just is. But I think the bigger issues right now with this team is not in the forwards. It's definitely your defensive structure and it's your goaltending. And these two things go hand in hand. If one thing gets corrected, the other will improve as well. Yeah, They both got to work together here, and they're both equally really bad and not helping the other one right now. Yeah. So Soros is not covering up the mistakes, and the defense is doing no favors for Soros. That's kind of yeah. what I'm seeing right now. Yeah, you know, we've and we've seen, you know, bits and pieces of, you know, the Preds defense looking decent. You know, I think they the one thing I've really seen, you know, they can skate that they um and they, they can skate well, you know, they can when they're playing two hundred foot game, they can do well neutralizing opposing offense. But, you know, overall it's it hasn't been consistent. And part of it could be due to the fact that, you know, there's so many guys on the defense that you have to put in, you know, with Barry still being here, you and he hasn't played recently, but you gotta be taking guys in and out very frequently so it's hard to get a lot a lot of continuity back there and they've they've been changing the pairings a little recently too so yeah it's been yeah they just they haven't been able to um get it all together you know they've shown flashes but again it's not been consistent yeah and there's probably some reasons for that again but you can't just blame it all on the the um players that you're you're the shuffling you just gotta the sometimes the structure has to just come together and it hasn't been consistent enough yet so i've got a i've got a stat that people are not gonna like here and some people have actually been smart you know preds fans are smart out there they're not they're not done they're a smart fan base and they pick up on things and it, it goes with the eye test as well and you know roman yossi has never been confused to being a lockdown defensive defenseman that's never, ever been argued. He is a hybrid, lockdown, offensive, transition type of defenseman, which is what the position is honestly evolved into right. in the NHL. But, wow, you need better than this from your captain. I hate to say it, but I just go what the numbers tell me. I never want to be biased when I look for numbers and I look for stats. But let me just give you this. Goals against per 60 expected. So this really rates your defensive pairings on what kind of offense they're allowing their goaltender to have to go up against. That's what this metric really rates. So your first defensive pairing that shows up on this list for the Predators is number 14 in the league. That's Ryan McDonough and Alexander Carrier. And this is all from moneypuck.com. So the McDonough-Carrier pairing has played 182 minutes together, so a pretty good sample size. 
They are 14th in the league when it comes to expected goals against per 60. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Pretty good. Um, and when you look at the Pred stats, when it looks comes to block shots, hits, and things of that nature, that number shouldn't surprise you. McDon- Carrier leads the team in block shots right now. McDonough is second on the team in block – or third on the team in block shots. Guess how far down you have to go to find Roman Yossi on this list on a pairing? How? Number 60. He is yeah. – Yossi Fabro. And, and that Yossi Fabro pairing, and I will say this right now, I was cheerleading for that pairing, but they've had a rough stretch lately. They have. And it, and, and they, it can really change it quickly. Um, the Yossi Fabro pairing is the, the next defensive pairing you find for the Predators on this list of expected goals against per 60. They're significantly higher and way back there with a lot of defensive pairings that you've never heard of, quite frankly. Yeah. And so it's even, not a good look. It's not, a, and, it's not a good look for the captain. And even the McDonough Yossi pairing, I remember last year they went for a stretch of over 100 minutes of ice time. And even there were times even more than that, they were lights out in terms of, they didn't allow goals. And this year, they've been much worse. I think it's been crazy. We got, we got your guy, Matt. Matt. I appreciate that. <laughs> we got your guy, Matt, in here. He's yeah. got the, he, is that, is that, is his avatar Marcus Will Mariota? Lattis. No, that's oh, Will Lovis. So, so oh, I saw number eight. Uh, you know, Matt's a, um, so he's a guy who, he, um, he's a Titans fan, but he's from New York. His favorite team's the Titans because he was a Chris Johnson fan back in the day, but his mm. favorite NHL team's the Rangers, so. Gotcha. All yeah. right, well, Matt, well, Matt, stay tuned for the Mike Vrabel Titans time segments coming up later. Yeah. All right, so and then we got Shashku Tiger back in here. Our defensive numbers have never been good when we depend on Yossi for defense. That's a cold hard truth fact right there. Yeah. I, I yeah. agree. Yeah, he creates a it's lot of counterattacks, and it's no secret. Again, Shashku Tiger says, and he creates a lot of counterattacks for the other teams. That is true as well. And, and yeah. it says it right here. So, I mean, you don't want to see your defensive captain that far down, though. I know he's never going to be a Ryan McDonough, but he needs to be better than number 60. I'm sorry. Yeah. He needs to be Absolutely. better than number 60. And then your next pairing is another – so then your next pairing, number 80 for the Predators, is Lazan Carrier. And then before you find Yossi again on another pairing, it's Yossi McDonough at number 100. With, 200, with 204 minutes together, another really large sample size. So please tell me what the common denominator here is. It's Roman Yossi because Ryan McDonough is doing pretty well when he plays for Alexander with Alexander Carrier, number 14. I I love Roman Yossi. He's our captain. But the guy, he he's he's got to step up his game here. He is the captain of this team. He's got, and I know he sees it. You know, I know he sees it. I'm not saying he's running from this adversity right now, but we we always want to praise our captain when he does well, and he does a lot of things really, really well. He's one of the best defensemen in the league, but he's got to step up his game right now. I know he's not a defensive defenseman, but he's got to be better than what he's showing us right now. That's just the facts. And we've seen a lot of times where he's played well defensively. We, he, he can do it, but he's just not so far this year. That's got to change. Yeah, absolutely. So that's where we're at with it. Um, hard pill to swallow against the Ducks. Now the Predators have got to go out there and win another really tough game against the Stars. 
and you've played them twice in less than a month, this is going to be your third game against the Stars in a month month's time span. So yeah. you're getting a good measuring stick against what a seven-game series would look like if you had to play the Dallas Stars right now. So both of the first game, honestly, the Predators should have two wins against the Stars right now. Right. They should have never let that first game slip away. So let's see what happens. Maybe it's a good matchup thing for the Preds to take on the Stars. Maybe you see that sometimes where teams just match up really well. Uh, but I'm getting really sick of this Preds team that just likes to flip a switch here and there. They like to lay duds against bad teams, but then they like to step up against good teams. That's not a winning formula. I know Andrew Burnett doesn't see that as a winning formula. So a lot to correct here, and there's going to be a lot that we're about to learn about this team in the next week or two. Yeah, we're going to get some answers, that's for sure. All right, that's our opening face-off. Preds with a massive letdown against the Ducks. They lose 5-3. to three. Let's move along here in Episode 216 of Catfish on Ice with our midseason grades and awards for the Preds. So I got it on the bottom of the screen. These are my picks. Max might disagree with me on these, but it's okay. okay. First of all, no one's going to disagree with our team MVP. I mean, right. it's Philip Forsberg. I mean, there's yeah. not even a Absolutely. debate on it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. It's got to be it's got to be Forsberg. Yep. I mean, can we think about where the Predators would be if Philip Forsberg not even if he was not on this team, but let's say and I wondered about this when we were going into it. I wondered if Forsberg was going to be rusty coming off that concussion. And that would have been totally acceptable if right. Forsberg, and he did kind of, he, it took him a few games before he really caught on fire. But no one, I didn't expect him to be what he's doing now. I didn't. I thought it was going to be a rough go of it for like the first half of the season for Forsberg. I thought he was going to take some time to really get clicking, but the guy is just, I mean, what he did against the Dallas Stars to, to push the Predators to that win uh, was just so heroic for him. I mean, both goals he scored in that third period were just Forsberg taking over the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it'd be hard to imagine where this team is without him. I mean, you know, I say the offense as a whole is certainly better this year, but, I mean, he's been the – driving force behind it. And like he's, and of course, you know, the one consistent part about this team's offense is the top line, which of course he's a part of. And yeah, if he weren't, if it were like last year, Forsberg or a lot of the other years, you know, with, without, without breaking out this year, would it be, yeah, it'd be hard. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. So that's our team MVP there. No dispute at all. It's Philip Forsberg for sure. Let's, yep. um, Buster Bennett says double F for uh, – I don't know if he's saying for the whole team. I hope not. Team's not that bad, yeah. Buster. Come on now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's go to most improved player. I think there's going to be some disputes on this one. Okay. I went with Gus Nyquist because I looked at what okay. his season looked like last year. Not with the Predators, obviously, but Gus Nyquist had a broken up season spanning between mostly Columbus, but did play a little bit for Minnesota very briefly. 
And he's already passed his season total in points from last year in this year at the midway point. We're talking about a aging veteran who is widely viewed as way past his prime. And the guy is on pace to set a personal career high in points for a season. That is pretty incredible. The guy's played over 700 NHL games, and he is on pace to set a career high in points. That is very difficult to do. That's very unheard of. It doesn't happen very often. He is going against the grain of what normally happens for veterans when they get in their mid-30s in hockey. So, you know, obviously Forsberg is the MVP of this team, but let's think about if Gus Nyquist is a dud free agency pickup. We've already established that Luke Shen's been a um, really messed up and horrible pickup of free agency. The exact opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to Gus Nyquist. The dude has been a savvy and really smart pickup by Barry Trotz, judging off the first half of the season. So he's my most improved player for the Predators is Gus Nyquist. Certainly a good one. I went a little different here. I said Jeremy Lozon, you know, last year. That's a fair pick. That last year, you know, he didn't really play that well. He his start to the year was horrible. He wasn't, you know, he looked out of place a lot. You know, obviously we've known that he um we've known he can hit, but last year, you know, he he didn't really seem like he 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 looked lost a lot of times. But this year, I think he's been really solid. He's been he's been following the play a lot better. He's you know he's he's been pretty good at neutralizing offense. He's still hitting a lot. You know, he's has like about five hits a game, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, he's been a, a very steady presence out there. He's been and he hasn't been. I wouldn't say he's been perfect, but he's again he's been pretty consistent and. And yeah, it's not it's not really a ton you can say negatively about Jeremy Lozon's game this year. I think this is well definitely this has been his best year on the Preds, but he's oh definitely again he's been he's been a pretty consistent presence out there. 153 hits for Lozon, which is just crazy through 141 game or 41 games. That's a 53, lot for a season. I know 153 hits, 56 blocks. I think that's his biggest improvement in personally for Lozon. 56 block shots, put that in perspective. Lazan played 67 games for Nashville last year and only had 75 blocks. So he's only 19 blocks short of what he did last year and significantly less games. So he's getting into shot lanes. He's doing other things other than just throwing his body out there, but he's still doing that too. Um, And then you look at his ice time. His ice time has increased. He's up to 1746 in ice time. That's higher than last year. And, I mean, he's he's knocked back on his penalty minutes a little bit as well. He's got fit well, actually. No, about that. He's 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 tracking a lot. He was doing he was doing good for a while, but you know what? When you when you're when you play like Jeremy Lazan, you can't really look at penalty minutes. I mean, those are that's just that comes with the territory. Right. That that comes with the average. That's good as advertised right there. That comes with the advertisement. Um, another thing that sticks out for Jeremy Lazan though is he's got 50 shots on goal. So that's pretty good. He for for a player like him who plays like he does, he's an enforcer type of player, but he's still putting shots on goal. That's that's pretty that's pretty encouraging. I think Jeremy Lazan is he would be my second choice if I'm going with most improved player. I just went with Gus Nyquist because right. he's kind of revitalized his career and being so late into his career and doing what he's doing. It almost seems like the Predators were the perfect situation for him to land in. 
yeah. he went to a team that needed him, a team that had a use for him and wanted to put him on. Gus Nyquist would not play on a lot of teams' top lines. Right. Let's be honest. Absolutely but he not. found a per- and he wasn't even on the top line for the Predators initially. He didn't come here with the top line being exactly where we knew he was going to go. He yeah. earned it. He worked his way up, and now he he stayed there. He's he stayed there. He hasn't he hasn't left that top line since they first put him up there. So I think it's Lazan, Nyquist. Those are two very very fair picks for your most improved players. Um, let's go to the biggest surprise. And for me, it's Michael McCarron because I didn't even think this dude was necessarily going to make the team out of training camp. So how, how can I not pick this guy as the, one of my right. biggest surprises for the team? Because I didn't even think he was going to be on the team necessarily. Michael McCarron, for whatever reason, he does a lot of things well. Coaches love him because he's a hardworking player. And Michael McCarron just – he sticks. He, he's, he just – he's not going to get healthy scratched. Coaches want to stick with him. He put two assists up. I know it was garbage duty, but he put two assists up against the Ducks um, last night. And you look at Michael McCarron, he's got 11 points in 31 games, six goals, five assists. You're talking about a 28-year-old who has really stuck with this team for a while now. And I just I, – I didn't see a path – when my, Andrew Burnett took, took over and not knowing what his vision was for the team, I looked at Cole Smith and Michael McCarron as being two players that were on the chopping block that weren't going to be able to stick around on this team. I thought they were more John Hines type of players than they were Andrew Burnett right. type of players. But credit to both of those guys because they have stuck around, both yeah. of them. Yeah, and actually my my biggest surprise player also was Michael McCarron. We were in the same boat there. you know. And one thing also about Michael McCarron is, you know, it seems like every team, kind of, and this has been talked about on Preds Twitter and other places, you know, every team kind of needs like a, a good vibes kind of guy. And that's exactly what Michael McCarron is. You know, he's always providing positive energy out there for that team. He's working hard all the time. And let me also just say one thing about Michael McCarron. A little over a year ago, he had to enter the NHL's um, player assistant program because for, mm-hmm. um, I believe it was alcohol problems. And he's come back from that. And he's been a he's been a stay on this team, even though he's been on the fourth line. The rebound he's made from where he was a year ago to now it can't not be talked about. He's been it's a tremendous turnaround for him, and you can't be nothing but happy for Michael McCarron. I'm really get, glad that you brought that up because that is um, just it goes above the sport, it goes above everything. It just goes to the human element of this, the human thing, and. You want to talk about just a great comeback story. Just just the fact that he is battled back from that personally, and he's such a vital part of uh, of the Predators and the way he carries himself. He's 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 kind of the leader of the bottom six in a lot of ways, yeah. like veteran leader of the bottom yes. six. I know I know a lot of people like to think of that as Colton Sissons, but Colton Sissons is he moves all around the lineup. Yeah. Michael McCarron, that's he's in the bottom six, you know, pretty much permanently. Uh, he, you know, he's never going to be moved up to a top line or anything like that. And he leads that depth. He does. And he has his flaws. He, he probably has his ceiling and he's probably going to always be the player he is. But I mean, he, he plays his role well. And like I said, I'm happily surprised and happily proven wrong 
when when I say that I didn't think he was going to be on this lineup. I thought he was one of the first players that was in trouble of sticking around on this team when Andrew Burnett was hired. But he has done the work. He has proven to coaches that he is a reliable player and he's a trustworthy player. He's a player you got to have in your depth. So credit to Michael McCarron. He's definitely my biggest surprise. Um, It's hard to find a lot of other really big surprises, at least positively. I could say there's some big surprises in a negative way. Yep. That I don't really want to focus on too much. But we're thinking positively here. Biggest surprise is probably Michael McCarron. I would say Cole Smith as well is a big surprise because he, almost like Michael McCarron, both of those guys – have, have stuck around in this lineup. Colton Sissons would be another fair choice. Yes. That's a big surprise. Just absolutely. based on his offense. I mean, he's got 12 goals. He's never been a big goal scorer in his career, but he's got 12 goals. He's got a 17% shooting percentage, though. And anytime you see inflated shooting percentages like that, normally you realize that eventually the law of averages are going to kick in right. and that player is going to reverse back down to uh, reality. And so we're waiting to see if that's what's going to happen to Colton Sissons. But either way, I'm not as surprised by Sissons as I am by McCarron. So that's why I still say McCarron's my biggest surprise. Let's go with our biggest breakout potential player in the second half. How about you kick us off with that one, Max? I – this might be a – this might be a kind of um maybe a cop out answer because he hasn't been playing well, but if he can get some games under his belt and actually you know, and you know, gain his confidence back, you never know. Maybe Cody Glass can have a resurgent resurgence in the second half of the year if he can gain some consistency. We need it bad. Yeah, we we need it bad, and you know it's big if right now. But like honestly, just you know seeing where he is and you know knowing what he's capable of. It, if he's in the lineup consistently and plays up to his potential, I can see him definitely having a rebound in the second half of the year and, and yeah, and, and breaking out to um, finish the year strong. All right. Mine is Philip Tomasino, and it's because he's doing all the things that he's supposed to be doing. He's doing all the things right. He's aggressive. He's making moves at the net. He's skating aggressively. He's skating with confidence. Something we're something we're unfortunately not seeing with Cody Glass right now. Right, Tomasino is skating with confidence right now. Yeah, he is doing a lot of things the right way, and you're just waiting for those goals and the and those numbers to just explode. And we know he's got the talent. We know he does. We know he's got the talent, and we know that the Predators absolutely want to resign him to a, his first NHL standard contract. It could happen before the offseason gets here, honestly. But he's going to be an RFA this offseason, and and he's I think he's done enough so far. After a rocky start, he kind of went through what Cody Glass is going through right now, only Cody Glass can't get out of it. Tomasino did battle his way out of it. Yeah. Um, so I think Philip Tomasino's got the biggest breakout potential in the second half out of all the Predators. I think it's I, I think I definitely think Tomasino. It would not surprise me at all if in the second half of the season Tomasino just starts getting rewarded for all the good things he's doing on the ice and starts finding the back of the net more. Maybe even get some top six minutes if Andrew Burnett really wants to get aggressive here. 
and start shifting some things around on that second line. I realize the top line is pretty untouchable. You don't want to be right. messing around with the top line. That second line is still very – I mean, we saw Gary Onov on the second line. Yeah. So that second line is very, very unclear right now. So I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Tomasino on the top line on the no. second line right now. No. So yeah, go ahead. And you know, a lot of the note also, like a lot of these second to fourth lines are fairly interchangeable. You know, the again, the top line is the only one that's really established. So I mean, you and it's really in a way, it almost feels like the second to fourth line are effectively bottom six lines because of how they're yeah. being used. And yeah. there's no real consistency there. Uh, Buster on YouTube says Novak is his potential breakout player of the second half. That's a very fair choice. Uh, Novak um, has been a little quiet by his standards. Yeah. He's got 19 points in 30 games, which is still not bad uh, right. at all. But you would like to see a little bit more from Novak because he was kind of showing that he was a point-per-game type of player. Yeah. And he's kind of regressed a little bit. But I also think that Novak – has had a hard time finding consistency in this lineup because again, things are just such a fluid situation right now right. behind the top line. So yeah, you're waiting to see Novak break out. I think that's a very fair, safe pick by Buster Bennett um, on YouTube there uh, of picking Novak as a potential breakout player. Um, I'm going to stick with Tomasino, but either way, the Predators really need this young core including Evangelista, to just collectively kind of do what they did towards the end of last season when the Predators did that massive sell-off at the deadline, and then they had all those injuries. And then the Predators had no choice but to throw out all those guys towards the end of last season. And those those young players almost pushed this team into a playoff spot miraculously. Right. So you need to see them recapture that type of uh, flair that they did that could make this team really really great and hit their full potential in the second half lines one through four could be deadly for any team to deal with if some of these young players can really start finding the back of the net it's been a theme all year and it really hasn't changed the predators are in the top half of the league and really close to being top 10 when it comes to creating offensive chances but they're further back. They fall further back when it comes to actually scoring goals. That's still a theme for this team. Yeah. They're still not finishing on a lot of the chances they're creating right now. So that's your that's your area of, of improvement that you need to have. And they're having a lot of trouble, I notice, in games. Having trouble getting to um like the high danger scoring areas, you know, down in like the down in like the high percentage slot areas. They have to figure out a way to get the puck down there more consistently. You look at some of your shooting percentages here for your younger players. Evangelista's got a 9.6 shooting percentage. That's lower than what you would like to see a player like him be at. He's yeah. got so much offensive ability. You would like to see a shooting percentage improve there. Um, Tomasino's at a 9.6 as well. So Tomasino and Evangelista both are under 10% shooting percentage, and they are too talented of offensive players to be that low on their shooting percentage. Uh, sure was at an 8.6. Um, you go down, Trennan's at 11.9. Um, and then, of course, Cody Glass is at a 3.4% percentage. Yeah. So that's what you're waiting to see. You're waiting to see those guys start finishing on some of their scoring chances. Um, 
it can happen. You know, it can right. flip in a, it, when, when you do things the right way and you stay aggressive. And that's why I really like to Philip Tomasino's game right now because he is showing all the right things. He just needs to be rewarded. All right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you know, one thing I always say about Tomasino is, you know, you, you'll begin actually start shooting, actually shooting the puck a little, a little better. You know, whenever he shoots the puck, he feels like he doesn't get a ton of force on it, but you know, that'll probably come, you know, as his development continues. For sure. Nikki on YouTube says that last game was not good for Yossi at all. He was on the ice for a few of those bad goals. So that probably contributed, but I think he's focusing more on offense than defense lately. Definitely. Yeah. And Nikki also says Tomasino has some pretty sick flow <laughs> going. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, that hair is the envy of bald guys like me. <laughs> I got, I got right. some still. I got some still. Yeah, yeah, you got plenty to work with there, Max. You're okay. Um, all right, last Preds player award, and then we'll do our quick uh, midseason grades for the team. My all right, best defender. It came down to me between Alex Carrier and Ryan McDonough, but I went with Ryan McDonough. Yeah, that's why I'd go with as well. I mean, the guy does so much that doesn't always show up on the box score. And this is where the eye test comes in, and they both have a factor. You can look at analytics, you can look at stats, but you also got to watch the game as it as it happens in front of you. And Ryan McDonough is always that guy that just seems to be in the right place at the right time. He seems to always just be in the line of fire. And without him in that defensive core, I think I uh, I'm going to catch some flack for this. I actually think right now with the way both players are playing, the Predators would be set back more if they didn't have Ryan McDonough right now than if they didn't have Roman Yossi. I mean, with the way, you know, all those numbers you pointed out with how bad Yossi's playing defensively. I know that's I mean, crazy to say. I know that's a really yeah. hot take that people are going to, like, destroy me on. But I need Yossi to step up his game right now. And in the way he's playing, he's not playing good enough for me to say that. Ryan McDonough – He's not nearly the offensive player that Yossi is. I get that. But if you lose Ryan McDonough off this defense, you think the defense is getting carved up now? He's only one guy. He, and we've seen this team without Ryan McDonough, and it's not pretty. Yeah, so it's hard, to, it's hard to disagree with that, you know, knowing what he my brings in Yeah. He's my best defender. And also going back to what we said earlier, I mean, that defensive pairing of Carrier and McDonough has actually been really, really solid yes. this year. So keep them together if you can and, and just try to fix some things. Hopefully Yossi being the professional and being the great player that he is, he'll start fi figuring some things out for his game. And he'll get better in the second half. Let's switch real quick. NHL awards, NHL MVP. I went with Kucherov. I know that's easy to pick because he's leading the league in points. But I didn't even pick him because of that. I picked him because the Tempe Lightning are not that good of a team when you look at them on paper. No. But they're they're hanging around, at least, in the Eastern Conference playoff race. And it's because Kucherov is pretty unstoppable when he gets the puck, especially on the power play. So Kucherov is my, my league MVP because you pluck him off that team. There's other players out there who are great but they're on better teams. So, like, Nathan McKinnon, yeah, he's on the Avalanche. Uh, he's great, but there's great players around him as well. Um, there, You know, you, you could go with JT Miller, Elias Pettersson for the Canucks. There's, 
You could go with uh, Panarin for um, for the Rangers. There's a lot of good choices out there. I stuck with Kucherov just because I don't think the Lightning are really particularly that good of a team. They're a very average team, but they've got Kucherov, so they're re- remaining relevant. You want to one guy is a dark horse, and he, I'm sure he won't get it because of his position. But Connor Hellebuck, maybe not just because. Because they don't like to give the, they don't like to give MVP to they, goalies. No, but I agree with you though. They don't like to give it to goaltenders. But if you think about that team, is first in the NHL. That team, and not to mention, it's been a, it's been a fairly recent search for that. They've been doing it all without Kyle Connor. Wow. Since December, since like mid December. Yeah. All of that without 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 your maybe your best player, and your goaltender is. I mean, and they don't because they don't have another guy that's they don't have another guy besides Mark Shifley who's a point of game player. And I know point of game isn't everything, but like there's not they don't have a, a ton ton of playmakers on that team who are skaters, especially not without Kyle Connor. And since he's been out of the lineup, they've jumped the first place in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, how does how does he how, how does he like not get consideration? Oh well, he's my Vesna pick. First yeah. of all, uh, Matt on X says Yossi's D was everyone's getting in on the Yossi conversation right now, which I love. Matt on X says Yossi's D was never very good. Soros excellence usually makes those deficiencies not this year. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Right. That, yeah. That's where I'm at with it too. And then Buster says the Jets are for real. Yeah. Um. Well, so that's my Vesna trophy pick for sure. Yeah. Is Connor Hellebuck, yeah. and I mean he's a yeah. perennial Vesna. We've always. It's not like we're surprised by Connor Hellebuck. He's always been a workhorse. He's always been a one of the league's best goaltenders. Um, really likable player. He's always been really good. And let's go back to before the season started and all the drama where Connor Hellebuck wanted out of Winnipeg. People yeah. are forgetting that he wanted to get yeah. traded out of there, and the Jets said, "Nuh-uh." Not going to happen. We're keeping you here. So credit to the Jets front office for sticking to their guns and not caving in. And and they kept him. And they they could have traded they, they him. him. They could have caved in and been like, Connor Hellebuck doesn't want to be here. Our franchise goalie. We're in a win now mode. Like we're not where the Predators were at right now. And they're like the Jets want to win now. And oh, yeah. I mean, so they didn't see any way that they were going to trade away Connor Hellebuck. Because if they would have traded away Connor Hellebuck, their window is shut, most likely. Oh, yeah. No, no chance without him. None. So credit to the Jets front office for sticking to their guns and keeping Connor Hellebuck around and re-signing him. And look at what he's doing. For He's second in the league in goals saved above expected. Um, He's a workhorse. He's always been like Soros in terms of just starting the bulk majority of games for the Jets. Uh, he's a major factor into why the Jets are where they're at right now in the standings. So, um, uh, Mike Twitter says, wish you were talking about my New York Jets. <laughs> no, yeah. sorry. Sorry, yeah. Mike Twitter. We're talking about the hockey Winnipeg Jets, unfortunately. What about the Norris right now? I went with Quinn Hughes. Yeah. For Vancouver. Yeah. The guy... I normally don't like to go plus minus here, but when it sticks out this much, it's hard to ignore. Quinn Hughes, are you ready for this? Quinn Hughes is a plus 32 plus minus. Wow. 
I don't even like that stat, but when it's that obvious, right, and it's that lopsided, you cannot ignore that. A yeah. plus 32 yeah. when he is on the ice for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, you you would think that they're gonna give it to him if, if for nothing else than the fact that like probably the next run up would be Cal McCarr, but like they typically oh like to give it well, to they love, winners. They whenever. love they love Cal McCarr though. The NHL loves but they also do love to give the trophy to first time winners whenever they have a chance. And they could it's hard to not justify it being um Quinn Hughes this year. I mean he's he's been lights out. And again, it's an easy choice because he's leading he's leading all defensemen in points with 51. But again, that's not why I'm picking him. I saw that plus 32 plus minus, which is just insane. Um, and yeah, Makar is right there behind him. So it kind of comes down to those two as of right now in terms of who's going to get the Norris. It comes down to those two, yeah, most likely. Um, that covers our awards, midseason awards right now. Grades, move through it real quick. Before we get to that, I do want to get to the DraftKings current offer. We have a new offer for you. We've had the same offer for the last couple weeks, so it's time to get to a new offer here um, with Catfish on Ice and DraftKings with promo code THPN. As it pulls up here, uh, we've had a lot of hockey offers lately in the last few episodes. And let's get to this current offer here. It's pulling up. So sorry. Gotta love technology. All right. We know hockey game, we know hockey game as moves fast. But with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice this week new customers can bet five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN new customers bet just five bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York call 8778 H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance cdkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. And let's look at the NHL slate for tomorrow to give you... First of all, it's also the last night to be voting on the NHL All-Star vote. Doesn't look like any Predators players are going to get voted in. Although I did see Soros getting a lot Wait, of votes. Forsberg, Forsberg not even got voted in? No, Forsberg got the initial vote. He got the pre-selected oh, okay, okay, okay. vote. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we're talking okay. about the fan vote. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, yeah we're, that we're talking about the fan vote here. I was hoping that Ryan O'Reilly would get a lot more love, but he's not even in the top vote-getters right now. Uh, so 
Obviously, Miko Rantanen is going to get voted in because he was left off. The biggest travesty of players to get left off of the fan vote of, of the initial priest because every team has to have a player voted in. So that's what screws up this whole process. Um, but uh, Panarin was not pre selected because oh. just Sturkin got picked by the Rangers. Oh, yeah. And then also William Nylander, who just got that enormous contract. Crazy. He is also a leading vote getter in the fan vote. All well deserved. Elias Pettersson's getting a ton of votes right now. Um, doesn't look like a Preds player is going to get in. Maybe, maybe Soros could get somehow voted in just because people love Soros. But um, let's talk about real quick the slate for DraftKings Sportsbook NHL matchups is, that you can bet on. Uh, we've got the Senators at the Sabres on Thursday night. That is a very close matchup in terms of DraftKings. Ducks, who just walloped the Predators, they're at the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are heavy, heavy favorites in this matchup, minus 345, according to DraftKings. So if you want to roll the dice on the Ducks right now, you could win a lot of money. Uh, we've got the Oilers at the Red Wings. We've got the Kings at the Panthers. That could be a really, really good matchup on Thursday. Kings at the Panthers. That's one I would want to watch. Sharks at the Canadians, Canucks at the Penguins, Devils at the Lightning, Kraken at the Capitals, Maple Leafs at the Islanders. Man, loaded Thursday slate, 13 NHL games. Rangers at the Blues, Blackhawks at the Jets, Flames at the Coyotes, and the Bruins at the Golden Knights for your nightcap. That could be a good one. Got the Bruins as the slight favorites on the road, according to DraftKings, against the Golden Knights. There's your Thursday NHL slate for DraftKings and our promo code THPN for $200 in bonus bets. All right, let's do our game. Let's do let's do our team grades right now. Let's go with the offense and the scoring. I gave them a B minus. I I gave them a B. I think, you know. Maybe just a little bit for the situation, but you know, I've I've seen you know, I've seen you know, a lot of good from you know what Brunette system can bring, and you know the fact that you know in a lot of years you know when the Preds were down in games, you know they couldn't score their way out, but this year they can score their way into games they might not be able to be in. So I said a I said a solid B right now for the Preds scoring and offense. I gave them a B minus just because they are doing a lot of good things analytically. They're showing good things, but they've obviously got to start showing more goals. They've got to um, be more consistent. They can't yeah. have games where they look unstoppable and then games where they don't show up at all. Like we just saw against the ducks where it took them halfway through the third period before they even scored their first goal. Like that just can't happen against a team like the ducks. Right. So I'm not ready to fully trust this predators team and this offense. So that's why, I give them a B minus. Uh, defense, not impressed at all. Not impressed. I don't give them a flunking grade necessarily because they've had games where they look really good. But overall, very underwhelming. A lot of room for improvement. I gave them a C minus on defense. Yeah, that, that's where I would. That's exactly what I had as well. And, and, and it's not even. I think it's just breakdowns i don't think that the players we have are bad defensemen on paper i look at the defensive corps and i'm like i'm okay with that i'm very happy with that but there's a lot of defensive breakdowns they're getting beat up ice i think a lot of it has to do with brunette's system and yeah i agree it's 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 a 
It's a give and take system. And I've, t- I've touched on this in the past. If you like the up and down, exciting hockey where you take chances and you're, you're up and down the ice way different than the John Hines system. Well, you better be ready to live with getting beat up ice on counterattacks. And I think that's a lot of the issues that the predators are facing on certain nights where they're not winning the loose puck battles. They're not winning the battles on the boards and they're getting beat up ice by some of these faster, younger teams. I think these younger teams are the kryptonite for the predators right now defensively. So even when you go up against a team like the Ducks, who maybe they're not really good in the standings and they're, and they're a bad team per se, but they got speed and they got young talent. And that really is a kryptonite for this Predators defense right now. I don't think they can keep up defensively right now. They're getting outskated on a lot of these areas. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's going to improve, you know, as they get more experience in system. And, you know, the 200, like I've said before, the 200-foot game is a – good part of brunette's system but again it's just one of those things that has to be more consistent and lately it's not been good especially lately let's go to goaltending you're not i mean i'm not trying to be recency bias here but um i just have to call it like i see it i get i give it a d i give it a d yeah yeah it's got to be better it's got to be better it's got to i i and like i said these things go hand in hand defense and goaltending but I, I, I even give goaltending a, a slightly worse grade than the defense because yeah, I agree. it comes down to just you got to stop pucks. That's your literally that's literally your job is to stop yeah. pucks. And I'm I'm tired of seeing games where the other goaltender overcomes bad defense in front of them and they make the crazy saves and they make the the timely saves and the saves they shouldn't make. But then. We keep making excuses for Soros, including myself. I've made excuses for him. I've tried to defend him, and he had that hot streak from November to December where he looked yeah. like he had battled his way out of it. But he's getting outplayed by the other goaltender in too many of these games, or the other goaltender makes crazy saves. The other goaltender makes highlight real saves, but Soros is not making them. He's, and one, he's, yeah, I remember one thing you especially pointed out was that on breakaways, he can't make a save. Yeah, so until he can start overcoming some of that, and just he he's got if he's going to be one of the best goalies in the league, he's got to start making a lot more critical saves, and he's not doing it. So I give it a D. I hate to say it, I never thought I would ever say that, but it's just the way it is. Special teams, I give a C plus, very mediocre, but a little bit better than some of these other grades, only because I see the potential in the power play. I see some potential in the penalty kill, but I give a C plus because that's basically where the Predators are ranked. They're very much in the middle of the league or slightly in the bottom half of the league in these categories. Um, It's a little concerning to me because that's Andrew Burnett's wheelhouse is power play. And I think the last time I checked, they're 16th in the, in the league in power play, which it's not horrible. It's not as bad as it, what it was under John Hines during certain moments, but it's not as good as you would like to see when you have a head coach who that's their wheelhouse. So they got to get better there. Even with Ryan O'Reilly being one of the top power play goal scorers in the league, and you're still only 16th. And what I circle is the second power play unit is not producing at all. Not. So you're as much praise as I've given Philip Tomasino during this episode. 
he's a big part of that second power play unit, and he hasn't been able to make an impact on the second power play unit. You saw Parsonen has not made an impact on the second power play unit. Um, you, you need guys to step up on that second unit, and a lot of those guys are are the younger players. Um, you're you're really leaning on that if this Preds power play is going to get better than where they're at at 16. Yeah. I I gave the special teams a C. You know, again, you know, it's oh, you know, it's overall it's been pretty mediocre, but you know, but it's I mean, it's also you know, recency bias does play into it, but it's a whole year effort, and early in the year the penalty kill was bad and it's gotten better a lot better but it still has not been amazing so i would say it's in the power play two has been kind of middle of the pack overall and i've seen flashes there but again it's one of those things where gotta get more consistent again like a lot of these things on the preds i think they definitely will but so far i would say c um we got our friend nikki on here on youtube talking she's a goalie by the way and she knows how to how to really scout what goalies are going through and she says, one thing I'm seeing in me and CJ, another friend of ours on the show, talked about this. You can really see teams picking Searles apart and then having problems with Lankinen. So a lot of fans are calling for this. They are calling for more starts for Lankinen right now. Um, we're going to have to see if if the Predators are really going to uh, take starts away from Soros based on performance. That would be a really big move especially coming up on the trade deadline i've already been pretty clear that i would like to see kevin lankin and traded but if they start leaning to give more stars to lankin in over sorrows as the trade deadline approaches and we all know that sorrows is the ultimate class act and when yeah. when lankin got that big win against the stars over the weekend you saw UC Soros on the ice yeah, with a big absolutely. smile on his face, congratulating his teammate and his fellow goaltender. So I'm not worried about any type of controversy or breakdowns in the locker room or Soros causing any kind of drama. No, Soros is the ultimate professional. He's the ultimate teammate. I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to give Lankanen a few more starts than you would have normally given him. Because the fact is, Lankanen has been better in a lot of situations than Soros has been in front of this defense. But even he hasn't been quite up to what we've known overall. So the goal, so yeah, the goaltending just in general has been bad. But yeah, I but I do agree though. You know, I think they um I it's hard to agree, it's hard to disagree that the Preds should start. You know, I don't know if Maybe I don't know if putting the starts in Lincoln and Saber or even like fully splitting them, but I think you definitely have to give Lincoln a little more of these starts going forward. Yeah, we'll be we'll have to wait and see yep. how that works. And then my final grade is coaching. I'm going to give a B. Yep, that's right. I have a lot. I have a really long leash for Andrew Burnett right now because he's in his first year. Hello, yeah. and if I see one more Predators fan, whether they're trolling or not get on social media and say it's time to think about firing Burnett. I'm going to pull whatever's left of my hair out, which isn't much, but I'm sick of it. Like I, it's so dumb. The dude yeah, is 41 games. Through his, he's 41 games through his tenure. People are already trying to compare. Oh, well, John Hines, he basically has the same record as what John Hines had with us. It's like guys, Burnett's got this, got a completely different team. He's, he's working a whole different type of culture and, philosophy and system 
now's not the time to think, oh, it's time to, to, to recycle another NHL head coach. I mean, that's just dumb. Um, I'm giving him a B because he's had a lot of moving parts and a lot of things he's had to shift around and move around. And this puzzle piece is very – this puzzle is very complicated for the Predators right now. And he's – the fact that the team's still in the top wild card spot in itself is pretty – pretty amazing i mean yeah. let's be honest with ourselves here if the predators were not in the playoffs let's say they were 10 points worse than where they are right now would we really be that surprised by it i wouldn't no no if anything this is a well-coached team if for no other reason than the fact that in november december they were on like a 13 and 3 streak i can't remember exactly what the record was but like if you have, and there's other examples I can point to to say Brunette's a good coach, but for no other reason than that, think, I mean, think, what would you expect if I told you going into a season, you got a first year head coach, well, he's coached before, but first year head coach for this team, first year, a true first year GM, and a roster that's made up of mostly role players and guys who have little experience. What would you think that team's going to be? You think they're going to be near the bottom, the bottom of the league, but they're not. Yeah. So that yeah, I think I think a B is a very fair grade yeah. for Andrew Burnett when it comes to coaching. I like the way he handles his press conferences. I like the way he makes the really uncomfortable lineup decisions sometimes. What he's healthy scratched Cody Glass a bunch of games. He's healthy scratch he healthy scratched Luke Evangelista for one game, saying that this guy needed a reset. He healthy scratched Philip Tomasino for a little bit. He, I think he's really connecting with the young with the young players right now, he's trying to show them some tough love. If you will, he's trying to really be like, look, like your confidence is shaking right now. So I'm going to sit you for a couple games or a game here. And you've got to learn how to be a regular NHL player. And it's not going to come easy. I love his post game press conferences. He's very honest. I like how he calls out his team when they lay a stinker. He doesn't, he, he doesn't filter anything out in his post game press conferences. No. No, absolutely. I mean, I think a guy and a team like this, where the Preds, you know, like I say, they're a young team and they're going to go a lot, a lot through a lot of, you know, maturity stuff. And, you know, they need a lot of tough love. And Brunette's certainly giving it to them, which I dare I dare I I say he reminds me of a football coach that just got fired. Oh, (laughs) but we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, All right. So there's our, there's our midseason grades. Not so great. Very mediocre grades right now, but. Obviously, there's a lot of room for improvement. Let's move on to a quick segment I want to talk about, and that is, and this is going to kind of take us into a segue into our Titan segment here, but there's a lot of talk about Derrick Henry, longtime, all-time great running back for the Titans. He's right up there with Earl Campbell and Eddie George. Before we really get into what I want to talk about in the comparison to Philip Forsberg and what we thought was his farewell to Nashville – in 2022 how about you break it down for everyone what's going on with Derrick Henry why do we think most likely he's not coming back there's a lot of uh casual Titans fans that might be listening to this show who are like the Titans but they don't really they're not up to speed on what's going on so Max catch up with everyone why we think that Derrick Henry is probably not coming back to the Titans so you know the Titans are definitely looking to go in a different direction you know They've already they already traded Kevin Byard at the deadline, so that was like the first big domino to fall with the old core of players. Um, and and you know, a lot of it does have to do with the fact that you know Henry he just turned thirty, which is you know a tough age for anyone in sports, but especially for 
the running back position. He's and he's taken a, a ton of hits over the years and all that. And you know, we all love Derek Henry, but I think it's pretty clear he's just not the same player he used to be. But also, you have to think about the fact that Ty J Spears, who who was a rookie this year, he came in and he didn't play like a ton of snaps, but he looked re- he looked really good and. And he, uh, we obviously know he's a ton of talent. Every time he's been out the field, he's wowed everyone. And he's definitely going to be the, no matter, it's like there's always a chance that, you know, Henry could come back, but it's all, it's going to be on a cheap deal because he's not going to be the top running back next year. Even if he's on the team, it's going to go to Spears. And, you know, in a perfect world, of course, I'd love Henry, Henry to be back with the Titans. I'd love it, but it, it, he's going to be, have to be, he has to be willing to take a huge discount on the deal. And, I'm not sure he's going to want to do that. He very well couldn't because he's clearly has a lot of love for the Titans organization and he wants to bring a Super Bowl here. But um, he, but again, it's going to, he's going to have to definitely take a discount if, because he, and not only a discount, but he's going to, have to take a, a lesser role in this offense for sure. Yeah. And so the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because it really, really reminds me of, of, of 2022 when that that really popular picture that everyone remembers when we thought Phil Forsberg possibly wasn't coming back he was going to be a free agent everyone was freaking out including myself that the Predators took him to free agency and didn't trade him I mean there were fans who were saying this is unforgivable by David Poyle that you would not trade him when you could get something out of him and now we're going to lose him for nothing in free agency. So I know it's a very different situation than the King than the Derrick Henry situation, but it still feels very similar to me because you're talking about two very equally important Nashville professional athletes for their respective franchises. And I mean, let's just think about the fact that Forsberg did come back and look at what he's doing now. It's, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. And you know, with, you know, with all due respect to Forsberg, I'm going to disagree with your statement a little bit. I don't think Forsberg is quite as important to Nashville as Derrick Henry was. You know, I obviously Derrick Henry had the whole 2,000 yard rushing season, and I think you know Henry was definitely more of like the face of the organization than Forsberg. And not take anything away from Forsberg; he's done a ton for this team. But you know, just but um, Henry, he, I don't think I don't view Forsberg as quite as everything to the. Um, as Henry was to the Titans. So, you know, I think this is a little harder, especially it's a little harder than when you, because like they were still like in the back of our minds thinking the Preds could work out something with Forsberg, but, and they could still work out something with Henry, but it's not likely. And I think, especially, you know, being in that, being in that stadium Sunday, you know, hearing what Henry said and all that, and, you know, special be yeah, but it just felt the whole time, you know, that Henry wasn't going to be back. You could even tell like when he, when he was announced um, in the starting lineup, because whenever he'd be announced from the starting lineup, he just kind of run out of the tunnel with his helmet on. And, you know, he just – he wouldn't really weigh much. He just kind of runs to the center field with the team waiting for him. But when he came out of the tunnel on Sunday, he was waving to the crowd. He was, like, giving kisses to the crowd and stuff. He'd never done that before. And that's where it's like, man, like he, he knows it's his last game. It definitely feels different. I mean, Forsberg – I mean, not Forsberg. Uh, Fors, well, I will say with Forsberg, I think – he gave that farewell truly not knowing if he was right. going to be back or not, but he did that farewell just in case. Right. Whereas Henry pretty much knows he's not coming back. And 
did you hear and i assume you heard the um the interview he had at the end of the game like right with the crowd and stuff i assume you saw that right I saw what well, I did. I saw where he thanked like everyone all the way down to like the equipment staff, the janitors. That, that's the, what I was about to get. That's what I was about to get wow. to. And, and like hearing, and I'm sure a lot of, and I'm sure most people, most people will remember hearing the, um, the interview when he gave at the very end of the game where he thanked Titans fans. But hearing that, hearing that, what he said in the press conference, naming everybody by name. I mean, and of course, you know, us as adults, it's, you know, it kind of looks weird, you know, getting emotional for stuff in sports but like if there's anything that was going to make you emotional it was hearing even more so than that on what he said to the fans it was hearing that um interview when he even think even think jim wyatt for his articles and we always know you know players don't always love the media but he's like jim like i think i think the world of you and i hope you can write the article saying the titans won a super bowl i mean it's just it's like what a, cla- cool. what a class act Henry is. Yeah, definitely. Like, and then he, I know he stayed around after the game outside the stadium yeah. to sign a bunch of autographs for people um, I know about all of his community work he's done and charity work he's done around the, around the Nashville community. Um, yeah, I mean he's right up there with Eddie George and Steve McNair and 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 just I definitely a Hall of Famer and you know we'll see where he ends up after this. But um, let's move on then because I did want to compare those two at least a little bit because yep. the fair you know we thought forsberg was doing a farewell as well and he ended up coming back and they did re-sign him i know it's very different apples and oranges nhl and nfl you can't even compare the two but anyway now it's time for titans time our weekly titan segment we couldn't go over this max how about you just really i was at such a i'm still don't know how to process it and the titans fan base is so divided on this and I will are. tell you, I will tell you right now, I don't care what anybody says. I am on the side that this is absolutely a knee-jerk reaction. There's something going on behind the scenes we don't know about. It's a, power, it's a power struggle. It's it's definitely not based on merit. It, they didn't fire Mike Brable because he's a bad coach. No, I'm gonna it, leave it. I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at that. But Max, give us the rundown. What what what's going on here? Yeah, you know I. You know, there, and I think, you know, maybe some of it could be, you know, football related and stuff, but I definitely don't think it was as simple as just we thought he wasn't a good enough coach. There was definitely stuff going on. You know, Amy Adams shrunk when she was talking. She had the one on one with Mike Keith that was, you know, basically an interview. She, she mentioned, you know, we didn't, um, she mentioned, you know, it wasn't any decision that was made in, you know, overnight or anything. She said it, it was, it wasn't. It wasn't a decision made on any one day. It you know it happened over time, and you know I, and you know all the time we had heard you know there was conflicting vision between Rand Carthen and Mike Vrabel, and you know Rand Carthen said in his press conference yesterday there was no problems between him and Vrabel, and that I don't I don't believe that at all. I don't believe it at all. There was definitely something going on, you know, and you know Buck Rising from you know Titans Media also made a good point. If it was it was if it was literally just football related. He would have been fired Monday along with the other coaches that were. That didn't happen. Um, you know, even and you know, even there was a there was a tweet from Diana Rossini, who's like one of the top dogs for yeah, for um Titans coverage. She said that on Monday, a tweet that said, Everyone's waiting to hear what's gonna happen, nobody knows yet, all this stuff. And yeah, you know, it's definitely 
I again, like I said, beginning of the episode, I under I I can understand it, you know, and from what and I've seen, I definitely think a lot of the disconnect between Carthen and Vrabel was, you know, I definitely believe that Carthen wanted to come in last year. He wanted to rebuild the entire team. I don't. I think he wanted to trade, you know, Henry, Bayard, and Tannehill, all those guys, even before last this year even began. But that didn't happen because I, I think Vrabel was definitely did not want to do that. I don't think he wanted to rebuild at all. So I definitely think there was some conflicting vision there again. They don't know for sure. I mean, so, that's one thing that learned. Yep. But let me ask you this. I here's here's where I'm just completely thrown off by this. So you move on from Vrabel, okay? I get it. His past two seasons, the record's horrible and yeah. and all that. But I'm thinking from NHL terms here. What do you? I mean, NFL is way differently. They don't recycle head coaches like they do in the NHL. Right. They they like they like to go find up and coming coordinators. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. more of the NFL brand. Yes, but I mean, how do you? I don't understand how you're just gonna like completely throw everything away with Mike Vrabel and all the great he's done even though it has been bad the last couple of years, um, to go take a chance on some coordinator that's never been a head coach. And I'm seeing some of these candidates are defensive-minded head coaches. Like, I, I just don't see the vision unless this franchise is ready to be irrelevant for a few for a while and they're they're ready to take their lumps and be like, yeah, we're not, we're not gonna be good for a while. And we're ready to just completely rip it apart and bring a head coach in that's that can just change things and maybe in five years we'll be good again. I mean, that's the only thing I can see if they're trying to stay good going into next year and they're trying to flip this back into being contenders quickly. I don't see the point in moving on from Mike, Mike Vrabel. That's well, kind of that I'll also say, you know, if there was going to be a time to make a coaching change, it's probably got to be about now because, okay. because right. um, especially because with Will Levis, you don't want to be putting the, you want you, this is, if you're going to put him through a coaching change, this is the time you want to do it um, because, you know, you don't want to get to year like three or four and you're having to deal with a new coach and right before he's due for a contract. You want to give it time to exact to fully know what you have in him. So from that standpoint, you know, I see it. And, you know, I'm not saying it, it, it. Look, me personally, like I'm as far as the decision itself and like the to um, get to have him not be the head coach. I'm 50-50 because, you know, obviously the problem on the Titans was the root of the issue wasn't coaching. You know, there were some things that weren't great, but it was obviously main, it was obviously talent for the most part. But I also do think, you know, there are some things about Vrabel that I that I can understand the Titans think that they were, were not going to be sustainable. You know, obviously the main thing is, you know, we he's been on record before saying that you know, ru- running the football is a very, you know, important thing. That's clearly something he believes. And another thing, you know, one thing about Vrabel as it pertains to that, and, you know, I'm kind of getting into the weeds here as as far into to football itself. But, you know, one of his big beliefs is that, you know, you have to be able to establish the run to, you know, do play action. I think, you know, a lot of people, including myself, you know, think that's a flawed belief because, you know, mm. if, you're running, if you're running a – if you're running a play action pass, you know, just from the fact that you're doing that teams opposing teams are going to respect that fake the true selling the fake, but especially for a team like the Titans who, who, um, who have Derrick Henry, you don't need to be running the ball five to seven times before you can, um, you have to play action pass. Teams are going to respect that because he's Derrick Henry. Yeah. And also another thing, well, you know, from variable that I saw this year, you know, 
and it's just one thing, but it was it was definitely a, a moment where a lot of people, a lot of people were really losing faith in him was where Levis's first start, he was he he I he was literally dead set on doing like 75% Levis, 25% Malik. And you just can't do that. You can't play a two quarterback game. And he he put Levis out for the first like few plays, but in the middle of the series, he puts in Malik and then it's a fumbled snap, which is like, dude, what yeah. are you doing? Like that that in itself is bad. And you know, there's certainly other things, but one thing I also want to address, and it's gonna take a second. One thing I also want to talk about, and did you did you see the part where Amy, Amy and Carthen were talking about why they didn't trade him and they just fired him straight up. I mean, I did see the one-on-one team interview that uh, Amy Adams Strunk did with yeah. the, it was like a control. She didn't take questions, which I think that's a horrible look for, yes. the, for the franchise. Yes. Um, she yes. should be out there answering tough questions because yes. this is a seismic, move that you just made this isn't that's some, what like, i'm most upset about that's what i'm most upset this about. wasn't yes. some like side move that you made that's no. not that big of a deal like it's like back page of the sports section type of news no this is like national nfl news it was all in the headlines of nfl uh today and all these different shows all across the league it was a huge story and you're gonna go out there and, and basically just take questions from the voice of the Titans, Mike Keith. Nothing against him. I love Mike Keith. But it was very softball questions. I felt like I was watching a, a politician campaign. And I'm like, you need to be out there and tell the fans, yes. the hard-paying fans yes. here, why you came to this decision and then let the fans decide whether they agree with you or not. But at the very least, be honest, be yes. transparent, you know, and they were not – I think that's where the biggest frustration lies yes. with the fan page. Yes. It's not that they fired Mike Brable. It's that you're not telling us the whole story. Yes, that that 100% for me is where my, most most of my frustration lies. The fact that she made Rand Carthen go out and answer questions yeah. for a decision he didn't make. And another thing <laughs> about that, and, you know, for, let me say also, this is not the first time Amy's done this. When, when she fired John Robinson, it was Mike Vrabel – who's kind of fielding questions about that, which is bad look. But also in Rand Carthen's press conference yesterday, it was mentioned that, number one, he was not in the room when Rabel was told he was fired, which is a bit problematic. And also during the interview that Rand Carthen had, it you know, it was it, it was never made clear that like he would be the one, you know, conducting the search. It was it was always he both he and Amy said that like they don't know who's gonna have final say on it. And and also from the fact that Rand Carthen in that press conference kept saying, instead of saying like it's my decision, all that, it's like saying our decision. So it makes me believe he's not running the show here. It's Amy. And that that worries me a lot. You can't have your owner be making all these decisions. You got yeah. it. These guys are these your GM is hired for a reason. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna put a plug in that because okay. we can go on for say, hours well, on this. Yeah, go ahead. So you're fired. I wanted up. To, I, love I, it. I would I I will I, I'll I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to leave no, this without talking it. about why. And so, did you hear like pretty much everything that explained? You heard like what Amy said. Did you hear what Rand Carthen said about why Rabel wasn't traded and all I, that? I I didn't. I all heard from. I didn't hear necessarily from him directly. Uh, for, for everyone, we're we're talking about the GM of the Titans. Yeah. So he's the one. He's only had one year at the yeah. helm of this team. But um, 
All I heard was what Amy Adams Strunk said, the owner of the Titans, and she basically said they didn't want to wait. They didn't. They would have right. taken three weeks, is what I heard. Three weeks to yeah. um, facilitate a trade. But then she also said we want to take our time. We want to cast a wide net. So it's like you're talking out of both sides of your you know what right now because right. you can't say you don't you want to be patient, but then you also didn't want to trade. Yeah. I, and, I, and head coaching trades are very. Yeah, very rare well, as it is. Well, that's where I'm going to say that's like that's actually the one thing yesterday that I came out actually feeling better about that it didn't happen. So, damn it, it we so should I, we should have traded John Hines. I knew yeah. it. Why yeah. did the Predators not trade John Hines? We could have, um, I don't know, we could have gotten a bag right. of hockey pucks out of it. We could have gotten um, <laughs> some bobbleheads, maybe some some gift cards to Amazon. Right. We got something. We traded John but, Hines. Anyway, so what? Amy and Rand Carthen said. So from first of all, what Amy said was in her words, there's that there's a misconception with in regards to how feasible such a move is because you have to go through a bunch of league mandates and all of that and protocol. And what Amy said was that was a big eye catcher was that you know the coach in question has to agree to such a move before it's made. But what Rand Carthen said, and this is really the kicker here, that the Titans couldn't even begin their interview process. Or, no, they, they couldn't begin their interview process for a new coach until they had an opening of their own. And that's really important here because it is widely assumed that Vrabel is going to go, and I and I expect this too, it is widely assumed that he when it's all said and done, he'll be on the Patriots. Yeah, And, sure. and right now, it's, Belichick hasn't even left yet. They're looking to potentially trade Belichick and hasn't been done yet. So they have to go through that. Then they have to go through an interview process. And even if even if they are dead set on hiring Vrabel, they have to go through that because the Rooney rule and other mandates say they yeah. have to go through that process. Then they have to go agree to the terms of a trade. All of that happening before the Titans can even begin their interview process, not to even mention the fact that Vrabel himself has to agree to a trade and himself and us and everyone else knowing that him being fired means he's going to be one of the hottest names out there for a potential head coach. If he were to be traded, his contract, which is two years left, would be retained. So in his his his, his view, why is he going to want to agree to a trade where he can go out and get a new contract himself? So a trade would have been very clunky at best and all that. And it and I and I very much am confident and believe in believe that Amy and Brand Garthen told Truth saying that it would have set them back. So would have been nice to get, you know, a, an extra pick or two in the draft from that trade, but or from a trade with Grable. But it's like either got a, you know, but one way or another, you have to bite the bullet. And it would have been at least three weeks, most likely, before they could have even begun the interview process. And that puts them way behind the eight ball. So that I very much believe was not possible. So it would have been nice in theory, but it didn't happen. And also one before I and the last thing I'll say on this was you know it never obviously this kind of thing never happens. The last time that did happen was actually last year when Sean Payton was traded from New Orleans to Denver, but it was completely different because Sean Payton had been retired for a year. The Saints already had it; they already had their head coach. They didn't have they didn't have to go through the interview process. They already had their guy, so they could easily have made that move. And I guess you know Sean Payton, if he really wanted to, could have said no just fire me i want a new contract but yeah he was already retired so it wasn't really the same situation so 
So just, you know, for that's this, a lot to take in. Max. Yeah. So that, but all I have to say a trade of Vrabel was really <laughs> not possible. So that's where the one thing were that was, cause that was my main gripe and a lot of people's main gripe saying, wow, just firing him was the worst possible outcome. But after learning more, I'm like, okay. Mm. Uh, all right. No, I can't so, really say anything about that. A lot of drama, obviously, as you just heard there with the Titan, but um, we'll see how it goes. So now this yeah. is a very, 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 very normal time where a lot of casual Predators fans uh, who are big football people, the national championship just happened. So there's no more football unless mm. you're into the XFL. XFL is going to start. Like NFL um, playoffs. I know, but I mean, I'm talking <laughs> like if you're a Titans fan and stuff. I'll be watching. There's, I'll There's be no, watching. Yeah, but they're going to shift their focus. If they're a fan of the Predators, they're going to start shifting their focus to the Predators. Right. So let's finish out episode 216 with the Smashville Pulse. And let me pull up what I came across. Oh, you ready for this? Well, I've seen it. <laughs> mm. I have opinions. You have opinions. All right, so... I don't know if I have it saved. Let's see. I thought I did. Maybe I don't. Smashville Pulse. All right. I don't think I have it saved. Oh, damn. I'm really doing people a disservice here because I really wanted them to see. All right. I will just read to you our first segment of the Smashville Pulse tonight where we look at what Preds fans are saying about their hockey team across social media. So, under the National Predators Hockey Facebook group, we'll just say this poster, his name's Joseph. You can go find it if you want to. I'm not going to say the last name. Um, this 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 diehard Predators fan, I mean, this person posts a lot about the Predators. Says, needs to go Parsonin, Fabry, Glass, Soros. Soros needs to go to the bench for a week. Then split the starts. Bring up Statsny and get Trennan and Sherwoos back. <laughs> so I don't know who Sherwoos is. I don't know who Fabry is. I am really impressed that this this fan spelt Parsonin right, though. Yeah, out of I, all I, the I names, get that one right. Out of all the names to spell right, I'm not going to give them any crap for misspelling Statsny because that's a tricky one. But let's just break down the take. This this fan needs. Thanks. Parsonin needs to go. Fabro needs to go. Glass needs to go. Soros needs to go to the bench for a week, which we have already kind of said. Now I don't know about yeah. it. you know we've already kind of talked about splitting the starts and not bring up Statsney. Totally on board with that. Yep. And get yep. Trennan and Sherwood back. Break that down for me, Max. It's not a completely bad statement. Misspelling aside. <laughs> well. I can live with, you know, Parson and getting a game or two break. You know, it seems like he's kind of due for the brunette reset. And he has, he's been a little bit inconsistent. So I don't necessarily mind him going for a few games, maybe one or two games. I don't know. Fabro, obviously, I'm disagreement there. You know, he's, besides like the past few games, he's had a really good year. If anything, he hasn't played enough. You got to keep him in the lineup enough because he's earned the time over guys like Luke Shen and Tyson Berry. So that's the guy I'm like full on disagreement with. Glass obviously has not played well, but I think, you know, he's a guy you got to keep in the lineup for a bit more because, you know, I don't think he's going to gain that confidence back unless he plays more. And also, I don't, and I think Andrew Brunette also is not going to take him out. I could be completely wrong, 
But Andrew Brunette, Andrew Brunette said last week, I believe, that he wants he wanted to get Glass back in the lineup. But when that does happen, he wants to make sure he stays. So that leads me to believe that Glass isn't going to be taken out of the lineup, at least for a few more games. And I don't think he should. I think you got to give him a chance to really get back, especially playing at center, even if it's fourth line. Get him, let him get some momentum again. You got to let him play through it. You got to stick yeah. with him. You can't just you can't just yep. pull the plug on Cody Glass yeah. right now. You can't yeah. do it. It's just it doesn't yeah. make sense. There's a lot that there. It's it's much. Like, I say this all the time. You got to avoid these knee jerk reactions, especially when it right. comes to these younger players, because these players are vital for your long term future. And you just pull the plug on Cody Glass now because he's had a bad twenty game stretch. That's just way overreacting. Yes. I don't agree with that sentiment at all. Letting out, uh, if a month or two goes by and he still hasn't, he's still playing really poorly, and he's costing the team some goals or some games. He's st- a bad, still a bad liability. Well, then you've got bigger answers to to to, to figure out. Right. But as of now, it's way too soon for me. Um, out of that whole statement, the only the one I really agree with is calling up Spencer Statsney. Right. What's funny about that? He's saying who needs to go, and he doesn't even bring up Luke Shen. Right, yeah, that's what I was wearing. You have Fabro in there, but not Luke Shen. That's the one who needs to go. That's <laughs> the one right there who you got to take yeah. out of the line. And it's like, yeah, you want Fabro out, but you don't want Luke Shen gone, but you want to call up Statsny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of that yeah. I agree with, some of it I don't agree with. But it's that time of year where fans really start voicing their opinions on who they're really ticked off about. And you, there's, there's some, there's some, there's always some low-hanging fruit for this team, and it's usually the goaltender. So that's Soros, and he's earned it. He, he, right. he deserves it right now. And, um, you know, I've already given my criticism on the captain, Romaniosi, so, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. But, yeah, I, I can't get with you on Fabro, but I do think that before too long we'll see Spencer Stasty back up. I do yeah. feel pretty strong about that. The problem is Tyson Berry's gone. And in, and t- or he's been gone for a while. He's not officially gone, but he's not playing right now. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot that still has to be sorted out. Here's my last one for the Smashville Pulse. This is on Facebook from a poster named Randy. They say trade juice, re-sign Lanky to six million, two years. Call up Yarrow. Oh, six million across two years. Okay, that's a that, that's a lot more reasonable. I was like, whoa. I think they're saying for over two years, yeah. Let's hope. I hope they mean six million total. Six million a year. Love it, Lanky's done, but I think they're saying three million per those two years. Okay. That that that's much more manageable. And I will say, man, I mean, I it's Fred's Twitter Fred's Twitter is, you know, and I say I'd say the entire fan base is pretty divided on this, but if you decide uh, that if they've if you, turned if, on juice. They have turned. I'm seeing but, way more. I'm seeing way more people criticize Soros than I see supporting him right now. But I will say though, if you decide come deadline time that look, we're not going to win with this team yet, or even anytime soon, and we're just going to stick with the plan and rebuild. And Soros still isn't playing well, and or maybe he's playing a little better. But you get a team that wants to give up a boatload of assets, thing that they're one goaltender away. Do you turn that down? No, you don't. I don't think you do either. I don't think you do either. My problem is I don't know if there's going to be as good of an offer as we think they're going to get. Probably not. I mean, but I still think there's a chance because, you know, name value. Because we've seen in this league and a lot of other leagues, name value alone 
is a big driving point. And for a team like I for a team like um like teams like the Kings or Devils who haven't really had you know a, a big name goaltender, they they have teams that you know probably could contend. But if they think that they don't if they don't have a goaltender they can trust fully, and I know Cam Talbot's played well for the Kings, but like do, do people think he can get them to the playoffs? And again, all this is spe- speculation. But if you get one, of, I, I wouldn't put out the question, even though Star Wars isn't playing well, again, that name value, and people are going to, and he's one of those guys that anytime you can turn it right back on because he has that skill. I don't, I'm not going to say, say you're say, oh, I think someone's going to get rid of a boatload of assets, but it's far from impossible. Well, and I also think if, if, if the organization has any type of confidence in Kevin Lankin, then that, that should embolden them to really want to trade Soros. Yeah. Another thing, just theoretically speaking, say Soros does go to the Kings, um, and they're they may they might put put Cam Talbot in that trade um, potentially, and so then you got you can because then this for the rest of this year you can roll with a duo of Lankin and Talbot, see which one you want to be the backup for a score of next year when you can see what you have in him for a full season. That's, a good, that's really good. I like what, I like your thinking. I mean, a lot of people have not just talked about the fact that. The Predators could get a goalie in return for Soros. Yeah, like, I, it's not like it's just Lankin and nothing. If they do a trade of Soros, they could actually get a goaltender back from a team who might not be dead set on that goalie. So that and it might not be as high up on the on the tiers as Soros, obviously. And so they send that goalie to to Nashville. And then you have a you you have a two pronged attack, and then like you say, one of those goalies backs up a Scarov, or a Scarov backs up one of them, and yeah. and next season, yeah, I mean it's I've been saying this for a long time. Someone, a Nashville goalie is going to be traded at the twenty twenty four deadline. One yes. of those three, yes. And, I, and, and the more the more and more I think about it, it's not going to be a Scarov. There's no, too no, much. There's- there's too much potential. You don't want to throw away an 11th overall draft pick, a once-in-a-generational type of goalie that you use an 11th overall pick on, which rarely do teams pick a goalie that high. Right. Even if you do trade them away and you get a good return, that just seems really dumb and counterproductive. So the more and more I think about it, I do not see this organization in Barry Trotz trading Iroslav Askarov. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. So it comes down to either a Lankinen or a Soros being traded. Yeah. And in a Soros trade, you know, the, with with how the cap is going and all that, maybe the only way a trade of Soros is feasible is if another team gives up a goaltender so they can shed that cap space from their payroll. So it's so pretty yeah. much all people talk about. The majority of stuff you see from the fans um across the social media is focused on Soros right now and really quick our last comment from a new commenter on youtube to close out episode 216 william northern on youtube thank you for joining us welcome to the show thanks for hopping in shin is what he is the biggest disappointment at defense is yossi so what an episode of airing out grievances has been we have talked about some yeah. not so great things from some perennial great players, Roman Yossi and UC Soros. Who would have thought that the combination of the Predators being in the top wild card spot at the halfway point, and we're talking about 
two perennially great players for this franchise actually not playing that great right now. That's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. Roman yeah, Yossi. And, and I, not, didn't, I didn't even realize all that about how Yossi's been bad on defense. Wow. Roman Yossi's not playing up to his potential. No. Even though he's never been a good defender, he is still better than what he's showing us right now. That's Absolutely. what I'm saying. Yes. And, and, I, and I say Soros is better than what he's showing. I'm not going to back down from that. He's definitely no, better than I, that. I agree. I agree. So, yeah, there's and they're still in the top wildcard spot right now. I know they've got yeah. extra games played, but still they're there. And they've got – and they're at the halfway point. And there's still a lot to figure out here. So we will see. We will buckle in. We're here for you. Thank you for watching. It's been a marathon episode. Two hours. We're on the two-hour mark. It's been a fun episode. It's been great. A lot of comments. A lot of amazing listeners and viewers. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Hit subscribe. If you're watching on X, hit the follow button. And, of course, we will see you next week for a new episode. Until then, everyone have a great week. It's been Catfish on Ice, episode 216, brought to you by DraftKings, part of Hockey Podcast Network with Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you next time. See you guys.